0: Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Praise Team. What a wonderful time of worship we've had this morning, and certainly uh, may it continue as we now have opportunity to uh, to study God's Word. And I would invite you, if you would, go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and uh, turn with me to the book of 1 John. And uh, we have just begun, as of last Sunday, our study through uh, the book of 1 John. We're going to... St- Started in the first verse. We're going to make our way all the way through it. Uh, it may take a little time, but it'll be a worthwhile uh, endeavor uh, in walking in it. And of course, as you can see, we're talking about knowing Jesus and all the ways in which that impacts and influences our own life. And really, the distinctions that are made in knowing Jesus. And as we think about it this morning, and as we think about it in the frame of the text that we're looking at today, Uh, we're going to talk a lot about light and the distinction between light and darkness, and that light matters, right? I mean, we've noticed it from the very get-go. The only reason we can see one another, the only reason we can see anything in front of us is because of light. Uh, We need it in more ways than we realize, right? And then when we realize how much we need it and then we get as much light as we need, sometimes we regret the fact that we got that much light, right? Maybe that was you this morning when you finally took a look in the mirror for the first time. We need the light. And ultimately, we need to know Him who is the light. And in knowing He who is the light, that changes everything about how we are and who we are. And so I invite you to grab your copy of God's Word. Turn with me to the book of 1 John. Uh, we're going to start in verse 5, and we'll read down through verse 10 of 1 John chapter 1. So read with me, if you will, 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, says this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father... May the light of Your Word by the work of Your Spirit dawn like the noonday sun in our lives today. Whatever else may happen today, Father, may we come away from this passage having seen clearly who You are, how we ought to respond, and what would bring You glory and honor. Father, lead us in a way that acknowledges the fact that You are light. There's no darkness in You. And Father, lead us in the way of knowing You, that we may enjoy Your love and Your grace together. Lord, we ask all of this in the wonder and in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen as we come into first john again and we remember where we've been we haven't been very far but even in thinking about where we've been in first john and talking about knowing jesus and all the ways in which that impacts our lives and even thinking you can go towards the end of first john you can talk about first john chapter 5 verse 13 and knowing that you know that you know jesus right and the assurance of the forgiveness of our sin and so not only are we going to see that this is about coming to know Jesus for the first time, but really the reminders of the ongoing assurance that you legitimately do know Him, that there are telltale markers in the life and in the heart of the believer. And as we talked about it last week, we talked about the Word of Life and that the life was made manifest and talking about fellowshipping with God the Father and God the Son. And we see how this is meant to be an expression that. We are to enjoy together is where we ended in verse 4. And so we pick up in verse 5 and we're told very clearly, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. It's sort of like John is not beating around the bush at all here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's like, here's the news, right? Here's the deal. I'm just going to get straight to the point with everybody. Just as he heard it, he is now turning around and proclaiming it to us. And this is what he says, God is light And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. That is a statement of being, right? And that who he is is going to be displayed in how he is. And when we think of God as light, and you think of all the ways you could unpack this from an Old Testament perspective, you think of God as light not only in the sense of being the source of all things, but the source of especially truth and the source of holiness. And so if we're going to understand or make sense out of reality now or in any way shape or form ever, we must do so under the full expression of who he is and what he says is true, revealed under the grandeur of his own purity. He is light, and he radiates moral perfection in all things. His holiness is expressed in everything that He does. God is light. We think, okay, well, what does light do? Well, at the very least, we can say, well, light enlightens, right? If you really want to understand something, what do you do? You turn on the lights, that's why so many of us are so afraid whenever you walk into the dentist's office and you see that light that's as big as this table sitting up right in front of your face. It's the same reason when you go into a doctor's office or into a surgical care and they have these massive lights because they want to understand the issue. It's the same reason when you're looking at microscopic detail, you turn the light on the side of the microscope. Microscope. But it's also the same reason when you start to do spring cleaning and you walk down in the basement you want to figure out how much of this actually needs to go in the garbage and how much of it you just need to hide somewhere, what do you do? You turn on the light. We need the light because it enlightens us. But in enlightening us, it also exposes, right? It shows the concerns and shows the issues. The ways in which a mom can tell whether or not their children actually paid attention to the instruction of clean up your closet is you go in there with a light and be like, this is not what I meant when I said clean up. It exposes the issue so that we can say, oh, now I see the problem. Not simply to point out that there is a problem, but to lead to a solution. Which is another way we can talk about light guiding us. But we have lights on our front of our car, and hopefully you use them all the time, right? We need these sorts of things. We need a way ahead. We need to know what that looks like. And see, it's interesting even reading this, where we are in 1 John and thinking about the Apostle John and thinking about all of what he heard and even what we think about reading in the Gospel of John, and you can't help but acknowledge the fact of what Jesus said of himself in John chapter 8, verse 12, where he said, I am the light of the world, Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See Him as He is. That He, and when the light comes on, it's meant to capture our attention. Our gaze is meant to be fixed upon Him. But it's not just in the sense of analysis, but in the sense of enjoyment. We're meant to enjoy the light. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. See, this is different from so many of the other religious expressions that are out there. Many of you have seen the Near Eastern symbol, right, the yin and yang, and you see the little, you know, light and darkness, that, and the full expression of the whole idea is that there's a little bit of light in the darkness and a little bit of darkness in the light. That's not true. Not as we talk about God Himself. You think of even the Greek deities that would have been around in the days of the Apostle John and all the ways in which they would talk about their gods, but they were fallen and they had all a sense of moral depravity and everything else. Here is a full distinction. God is light and there's no darkness in Him whatsoever. Nothing in Him is corrupted. If you want to know what is right and what is good and what is perfect and what is worth knowing, it is Him. You can scratch around with all the investigative journalism that you want. You'll never find any cloak of darkness in God himself. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. This is the message. But Did you, did you notice that this message is about him? We're exalting him, and we respond to him. This is not meant to prop us up. This is not some sort of self-help of, oh well, you can do a little better. This is saying, no, we need him. Because when the light dawns and you see the issue and you see the problem and you see your own sin in the light of his holiness, you cannot help but cry out, Lord, have mercy on me a sinner. And how refreshing it is to be reading this and that knowing him is the pathway to clarity. He's the one who is the light. What a rescue we have from all the ways in which people live a life today that is so profoundly self-obsessed to say this is the message. God is light. Look to Him. Live in the light of God. Walk in the light and not the darkness. Because he goes on to say in verse 6, he says, if we say we have fellowship with Him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now you notice in reading all of this, there's, a whole, there's five consecutive conditional statements that are laid out here. And as we think about knowing Jesus and knowing God who is the light and this direct application upon our lives, right? And this whole notion that we should have the assurance of having come to the light if you actually have. Which is why he says, if we say if we make this claim that we have fellowship with Him, that we're walking with the Lord who is the light, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we're claiming close, intimate fellowship with Him, and there's no semblance whatsoever that He's having an influence on you at all, you're saying those two things can't work. I mean, you can send your kids off and they can spend five minutes with somebody who's a bad influence. They can come home and you can be like, Where'd you learn that? You mean to tell me if you spend time with the Lord that he's not going to influence you? He will. It doesn't mean you're sinless, but it may mean you sin less. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The whole whole picture of walking here is a pattern of life. To walk in darkness, to live your life in a pattern of darkness, controlled and consumed by worldly desires, with this settled determination to choose sin instead of God and be absolutely unrepentant about it. There's all manner of manifestations of this. We need not build a thorough list, though we could name a few. There's all manner of sexual immorality, right? And we could talk about it from the sense of pornography. You could talk about it in the sense of adultery. You could talk about it in the sense of lust. You could talk about it in the sense of LGBTQ plus whatever. All manifestations of unrepentant walking in darkness. If you're not broken over the fact that your sin grieves the Lord, then there's a problem. But it's not just that. We don't need to make it as though that's the only one. What about an unwillingness to forgive? What about a tendency among people who profess to be God's people, who maintain grudges for decades and are unwilling to reconcile with one another in the gospel, or to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us? What about all the manifestations of our own greed and covetousness, all the ways in which we whitewash our own lies? All these ways in which consider things as, that we know our sin as, well, it's not really that big of a deal. He says, no, if we walk in this pattern of unrepentant darkness, he says, we lie and do not practice the truth. God has better things for you than that. It's not that your walk saves you, but your walk indicates what road you are actually on. That's the way Jesus talked about it at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. There's a narrow road that leads to him. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. You should know today which road you're on. So that you may know how to respond to the God who is light. Don't live in such a way where you lie and do not practice the truth. Light brings clarity. But see, notice, this is not being, this is not a declaration to be true to yourself. Truth is God. Does my life display that I know Him? Is your life a practice of the truth? And maybe you're reading this, and maybe we've come this far. We've come a couple of verses today, and you're like... Man, this is pretty severe. This is pretty weighty, heavy stuff. He's coming on pretty strong here, isn't he? Well, the stakes are eternally high. We don't mind it when the doctor walks in and he's got rather stern news to say. He's like, you either do this or you're going to face death. He's speaking of something that has eternal stakes here. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If We walk in the light as he is in the light. As we bring our lives and all the sin, right? As Jonathan Edwards used to famously say, the only thing you bring to your salvation is the sin that made it necessary. You come dragging all that stuff out and you come crying out to the Lord, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you believe he's your only hope. Because as you live in the light of God, exposed under His holiness, it can't help but bring you to repentance, where you say, I don't want any of this, I want you, and you turn away from it, and you run to Jesus, and you cry out for His mercy, and you find yourself assured of His grace, walking in the light. Because you see the full expression of him, his holiness and his absolute perfection and the fact that he loves you so much he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and rise from the dead that if you believe in him, he will cover you with the righteousness of Christ. Cover you in the clothing of light and that you live life comforted by him when you walk in the light as he is in the light. And you want to do what is pleasing to him, what reflects the light. You want to do what's described in 1 Peter 2 9, where you're sharing the excellencies or proclaiming the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He says, And when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. One another who? One another us, and one another with him. It's both. We enjoy fellowship with Him and enjoy fellowship with one another. And we enjoy the fact that our fellowship with Him impacts, influences everything about our fellowship with one another. In other words, we get to enjoy God together. We get to enjoy the fact that our God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we were comforted by God. He meets us in our time of need, and he's like, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand how hard this is. I don't understand what you're doing, but, Lord, teach me and comfort me. And he comforts you, and his grace is sufficient in those moments. And immediately you turn around, and you see somebody else in the same place you were. You say, Lord, I see it now. That's how he is with his love. We enjoy his love together. We enjoy the fact that His grace is sufficient and that His mercies are new every morning and we turn around and we share those and encourage one another in them. He says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, not only do we have fellowship with one another, He says, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And to even bring up the blood of Jesus, He's making the clear point that the only hope of our forgiveness is substitutionary atonement. God in the flesh had to die in our place as our substitute. You go back through and you trace the, all the lineage of the Old Testament sacrificial system and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And Jesus, fully God, fully man, came in the flesh as the Lamb of God, slain for the sin of the world. Came to endure our punishment in himself that through faith in him, we would be rescued from the wrath to come. He said, if we walk in the light, we have the, the, the assurance that the blood of, the Je- of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We like things to be clean. And I think we may even like this word cleanse better than we like this word clean. He cleanses us from our sin. This sense of removal of what is filthy but also the sense of restoring what was broken. You think of whenever you cleanse that dish after Christmas, right? Maybe you, maybe you finally got rid of your Christmas leftovers or whatever else that were hanging out in the back of your fridge yesterday, right? And you're dumping it in there and you're looking at that pan and being like, I'm not sure there's any hope for this thing. But what do you do? You go to cleansing. Why? Because you want to restore it to what it was when it was brand new, and you think of our sin and our sin nature and in, uh, in Adam, we all fell and the, all of the effects of sin on our lives individually, not only in how we are, but in how we act as well. And you think of the image of God in us, and you think of the cleansing power of Jesus, not only to justify us through faith in Jesus, crucified and risen from the dead, but to sanctify us, to make us ever increasingly more like Him. It's amazing to read this. Look at what God does. Now be careful how you read this. Because John is not saying that the cleansing is conditional upon your walking in the light. Your walking in the light is evidence of cleansing. We are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace through faith. It's a free gift of God so that no one may boast. But the reality of that grace at work in our lives bears out, at least in some part, in cleansing. We're clean. And then when you're clean, you don't mind walking in the light, do you? When you're dirty, you sneak in the back. When you're clean, you walk in the door and say, hey, Mom, I'm here. When you're dirty, you say, i got to get cleaned up first. Where are you today? And see, maybe, maybe some have spent your life, it's as though you're huddled over a sink trying to scrub the stains clean, and you just can't. They won't ever come off. Because you've been trying to do it on your own. Instead of coming to Jesus to cleanse you. May the light Dawn on us today. We can't fix it. But God has made it so that you don't have to. He will. When you trust Him. Live in the light of God. But not only does that mean we ought to walk in the light and not in the darkness. In living in the light of God, we must respond to the reality of sin with confession and faith. Because he says in verse 8, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Living in the light means we're going to have an honest assessment of reality. It means you're going to see the stains, you're going to see the blemishes, you're going to acknowledge the fact that they are there. Because in the darkness, you can hide all sorts of things, you can cover up the dirt, you don't even have to sweep it under the rug because there's not any lights on doesn't matter. But when the light dawns, when you're living in the light, you see things as they are. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, notice this is different from what he says in verse 10. In verse 8, he says, if we say we have no sin. In verse 10, he says, if we say we have not sinned. In verse 8, he's dealing with the sin nature. The fact that we have a sin nature. We have fallen In Adam, we've all fallen. We have a a sin nature that has influenced the way in which we think and make decisions, the way in which our emotions work, all these things. You see, many people spend their entire lives trying to convince themselves of this declaration. If I can just convince myself I don't have any sin, then I won't have any problems. And see, this is expressed in all manner of different ways. Some people just want to have a high opinion of themselves. Now, I hope you would never say that you radiate moral purity like the Lord himself, but hey, the bounds of human arrogance know no bounds. But most of the time it's expressed in the way in which we just try to convince ourselves, "Oh, well, it's not really that, that much of a problem. That's not really the main issue. That's not really why I need to come to Jesus. I just need to come to Jesus because I need some money. I just need to come to Jesus because I need a little pep talk. Now, if you remember the Christmas story, even the angel told Joseph, he's come to save his people from their sin. We have to acknowledge the reality of the problem. We have to acknowledge the fact that God is not out to preserve or to boost our egos. There's none righteous, not one. Trying to redefine sin is just an effort in delusion. Pretending like there's not a problem when you know there is a problem. Some of y'all may be like this with the doctor. You're walking around wincing in pain, near about into the point of tears, and your spouse looks at you and says, Why don't you go to the doctor? And you say, No, I'm fine. No, you're proud. But see, that's how most of us are as it relates to Jesus. Or we'll say, well, it's not really as bad as somebody else, and so we try to dismiss it, or we say we have no sin on the basis of comparing ourselves with somebody else. Well, I'm not as bad as, as so-and-so, so it's not a problem. But that is absolutely ridiculous. That'd be like being in a hospital room, and you're listening to the doctor, and you know that the person in the room next door to you is sicker than you are, and you say, well, since they're sicker than I am, I don't need any medical treatment. That's insanity. Hopefully, you would never do that. Why would we do that with Christ? Acknowledge the problem. That without Jesus, without He who is the light in our lives, we are idolaters. We have a sinful love for the darkness, and we like to hide in it. Interestingly enough, Jesus Himself said this in John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. He says, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. Why? Because we have to acknowledge our sin to receive the truth. We have to admit it is a problem and that it's not their problem or that problem over there or that person's problem over there. It's me. Your biggest problem is you. My biggest problem is me. And we come to Jesus and say, Here I am, Lord. Don't arrogantly refuse the remedy. That as his light dawns and his holiness shines and our filth becomes clear and our need for forgiveness and cleansing, it's like we're driving down the road in our cars and all the little warning lights keep coming on and the engine temperature's going up and be like, I'm just gonna see if I can make it a little further. Stop the car. Pick up the phone and call for help. Maybe that's where some of y'all are today. Every little indicator in your life is going off. And God in his mercy is warning you, stop the car. And call on him. Because the next thing he says in verse 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To confess our sins is to take responsibility for them. If you wanted to use the old Vacation Bible School gospel illustration, right? ABC, what's to start with? Admit, right? Admit that you're a sinner. Willing to acknowledge it's me, it's mine, it's my fault, it's not somebody else. The devil didn't make you do it, you did it. It's your own sin. And so we, we confess it, we, we say, this is mine. And then we're being encouraged and told to give it to the only one willing and able to do anything about it. He says, if we confess our sins, if we look at reality and say, yes, yes. Lord, I have sinned against you. I'm sinful in heart, I'm sinful in action, and I need you. If we confess our sins, look, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, that's stated here in a way in which the confession of our sin, as he describes it, is described as a continual act. Which means there's a moment of salvation where you do that for the first time, and you bring your sin before the Lord, and you say, Lord, forgive me, a sinner, and, in, and through faith in Christ for that first time, you are justified and made right with the Holy God. But see, the fact that this is meant to be an ongoing thing is a reminder that grace is meant to be continually enjoyed. Because just because you trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord at the outset doesn't mean that you're sinless, right? Right? Just ask anyone in your house. So we constantly come back, Lord, and we constantly are reminded, His grace is more than enough. We constantly come back with something else, Lord. Lord, my attitude today, the way in which I thought about it, the way in which I I did this, the way in which I I don't even understand it. It's like the more you know Christ, the more you walk with Him, the more you walk in the light, the more you see the reality of your own sin, and the more you enjoy the grace of God, That if you don't come to an an acknowledgement of the reality of your own sin, you'll never fully enjoy the grace of God as you ought. So that when we are reminded, yes, I deserve death and hell, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so you read that, he can't even hardly hold back the tears. And when you're making your way to work and you think of you know, all the things that you went through over the past week or whatever else, and you're like, man, that's terrible. Or you're reminded back or even you, you hear the whispers of the devil and it's not enough and it'll never be enough. You're con- you deserve condemnation and everything else and you're reminded of those wonderful words from Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And see, the whole contingency, the whole basis For the assurance of the forgiveness of our sin is not on us. It's on him. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our hope of forgiveness and reconciliation with God is rooted in his ability, in his character. He is faithful to his promise. We sang about that a moment ago. He's always faithful. He promised from the very outset, even as Adam and Eve were being forced out of the garden, He told them there's coming a day where the serpent will have his head crushed. He set up the whole sacrificial system all along the way, pointing to the reality. There's coming one, the suffering servant, the Lamb of God, who will be slain for the sins of the world and that through faith in Him the faithful god made manifest in the son jesus christ we will know forgiveness of our sins but see god is also just which means nobody gets away with it so your sin is either punished in christ on the cross or you're going to take it on yourself that's what it says in fact in romans chapter 3 verse 23 The wages of sin, excuse me, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He goes on to unpack that, and you get down to verse 26. He says, God is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. What does that mean? That means God is just in the fact that sin is punished. But if you have faith in Jesus, your sin was punished on the cross. God is just, but God is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. To forgive us for all this baggage that we drag around and try to pretend like it's not an issue when we know good and well it is. To forgive us our sins and all these things that beleaguer us and drive us crazy and we want to hide and we want to pretend like it's not there and all these things. He says, no, 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 no. Bring it out into the light and have forgiveness. Run to Jesus for his mercy. And then not only does he say forgiveness, but cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Transformation. Get rid of that aroma. Get rid of those stains. Get rid of all that grime. All those reminders of failure and haunting memories. Where all you say is you look in the mirror and say, I'm not good enough. Lift your eyes to the light and be reminded, he is is good enough. And he did it already. Look to him in faith. You can't cleanse yourself and you don't have to. You cannot stain your life beyond Jesus' cleansing power. No one else's sin inflicted upon you can stain your life beyond Jesus' cleansing power power. Come enjoy this loving life laundromat of Jesus. Come live in the light of God and enjoy the forgiveness of sin and the cleansing from all unrighteousness. Admit the reality and enjoy his love and his grace. And be warned, lest you still linger in arrogance, He says in verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Human pride is ugly and absolutely ridiculous. He says, if we say we've not sinned, he's talking about sinful acts. Moments of pride, you ever had one of those? Moments of idolatry where you're worshiping some, something else. Moments of just absolute self-centeredness where you become your own idol. Maybe covetousness, maybe lust, maybe lying, maybe dishonoring your parents. Maybe you're reading verse 10 and you're like, do people really say that we've not sinned? And be careful. Because aren't we all pretty good at justifying things that we know are wrong? Maybe if we just dress things up and clothe them the right way and put nice little descriptors on them like little white, then we can say the lie wasn't really a lie, was it? Maybe we can look around, We, we can justify our unleashing of anger upon everyone else on the interstate because everyone else is just clueless. Maybe we can justify what we, it's, it's sexual immorality and we know it, but hey, this is love and God is love, so hey, let's just put those two things together and go for it. Maybe I can justify watching what I know good and well I should never watch, I would never tell my kids to watch and everything else, but hey, everyone in the office is watching it so I have to also just to maintain some, some manner of social credibility. Really? Really? See the dangers of human arrogance? And see, before we start doing this, we need to take a good long look in the mirror. If we say we've not sinned, we make them a liar. None of us like to be called a liar. We certainly wouldn't want to look God in the face and say, You're a liar. But is that the life you're living right now? We know good and well there's none righteous, no, not one, and that includes you. That even your righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Who's right, you or God? Because it's not both of us. Whose assessment of reality are you trusting in? He who is the light, or you who love the darkness? Because if we say we've not sinned, he says his word is not in us. If you've never admitted your need for Jesus, you don't know him, not as you ought. If you've never looked at your life and said, I need forgiveness of my sin From the righteous and holy God, you don't know Jesus as you ought. You may know who he is. You may know something about him, but do you know him as Lord and Savior? Make sure his word is in you the truth, the gospel. He who is the word of life, and that by his spirit, when he saves us, he moves in. See, the proof of darkness is blindness to your own sin and your own need of forgiveness. You see, that living in the light of God is meant to bring us to where we have our sin exposed. Not that God would tease us with it, or mock us with it, or hold it over our head, but to call us to forgiveness and cleansing in Him. Won't you respond to reality as he has revealed himself? Because I can promise you today that receiving God's mercy and grace is better than maintaining your pride. Receiving his love and forgiveness and cleansing by faith as a free gift is a whole lot better than walking out of here with an ego. Come to Jesus. Come enjoy His cleansing. Stop trying to convince yourself of a delusion. All of us are sinful. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us need Jesus. And that God in love sent His Son Born of a virgin, born under the law, he lived in perfect righteousness, was tempted in every way as we are, and yet was without sin, and went to the cross so that he would endure the full outpouring of the wrath of God against the sin of all who repent and believe, so that through faith in him, you're covered in his righteousness, he who is the light of the world. Won't you trust in him today if you never have before? Perhaps today you can say with the Apostle Paul, as is described in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What must you do? Repent. Turn away from your sin. Don't drag it all off and say, Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm taking all my bags with me. No, you put them down. You let go of all of that and say, I cast myself upon you. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and he'll forgive you and he'll cleanse you. And maybe you need to do that here today for the first time. Maybe you need to do that here today for the millionth time. May we all together respond as we live in the light of God and respond with confession and faith and enjoy forgiveness and cleansing together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are amazing. God, let your light dawn where we have so hidden. Let us know that there is nothing hidden from your sight. For the person who's here today, who's hiding in the darkness, show them, Lord, not only are you exposing their sin. But you're calling them to forgiveness. You're not calling them to shame them. You're calling them to adopt them. You're not calling them to throw them away. You're calling them to make them your children. God, let your light dawn today. For the person here who has never repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus as Savior and Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. For the believer here who is just white-knuckle grip on some sin in their life, racked by guilt, racked by shame, may they finally walk into the light with all of it and let go. And be reminded that your grace that's sufficient for salvation is your grace that's sufficient for sanctification as well. May every single one of us acknowledge we need you. May we cry out together, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, that we may go home rejoicing in forgiveness and cleansing through faith in Jesus Christ. May Jesus be honored as we respond to you now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.